Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. The great Bobby Down. You know, 19,000 people have now signed a petition. Macy's. All these companies were so stupid. You'd think they would have learned from that Dylan Mulvaney nightmare with Budweiser. Macy's feels the need to tell everybody that they'll have transgender and non-binary performers at the parade. And, well, I'm just sick of all of it. Man, am I sick of it. Gays are sick of it. Just so you know, talk to Bill White. Nobody's gayer than Bill. Nobody. He loves man ass. And he's like, I'm sick of these. I'm just sick of it. How how do you how do you measure the gayness? He said it on the air. The I'm gayer. only repeating what he said. That's true. He what has is, said he's very gay. He yeah, did. He, he said he's like the king of all gays. Right. So. But does he have a special device where he can go up and it's like a Geiger? I'll have to ask him that. It's a good question. I just mm-hmm. I'm just curious. This is why I thank you so much in that piece coming out in uh, Barrett Media. You asked the pertinent questions. Well, they huh. just happened to come to me. I don't know how. Well, it you're happened, a genius. So um, <laughs> I saw this Get Gotti piece on Netflix. And uh, my buddy Frank O'Hara, he's been a friend of mine for years through Mike Sullivan. He's a cop. I think he's an FBI guy, too. But he was uh, one of the folks that tried to get Gotti over the years. So I watched this piece, and Frank is in it quite a bit. A little radical departure from Israel, but there's just so much you can do on that, you know. And this piece is great, and it's part of New York and Americana. It's John Gotti. So here he is, uh, my dear friend Frank O'Hara. Frank, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sid. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So I know you were NYPD. You were also FBI, yes? I was in the FBI task force. Okay. So let me tell you, uh, and I told you this off the air, but I'm going to say it again for the listeners. So I watched this piece with Danielle, and um, you had a task force, which you were in, a crime task force. You had the FBI. You had the NYPD. By the time you were done, there had to be four or five different groups trying to get Gotti. And I know Gotti did some bad things, and I know he killed the neighbor because he killed his son, Frankie, and I know he was involved in businesses shaking people down. But i got to tell you what I thought. When the piece was all said and done, and I considered all the agencies and money New York wasted on getting Gotti, all I can think of is, oh, my God, what a waste of time and money. I'm sorry. I know you worked hard to get him. But that was my first thought. Are you mad? No. You're wrong, but I'm not mad. How do you know I'm wrong? Because what do you do? Ignore it, Sid? Do you just look the other way? I, I mean, no, you don't look the other I mean, way. You're, but... sitting across, you're sitting across the table from a victim, Curtis. He's a victim now? <laughs> well, you know, he's, he's, he's a victim, yeah, in many ways. But was Curtis in the piece? I don't remember. Was he in the piece? I don't believe he was. He wasn't. Okay. He was in... Yeah. No, but you're right. I mean, he got shot six times by the Gaudis, and they were—they are a criminal family. They do some bad things, but 
come on, there are people on the streets of New York right now that do a heck of a lot worse that don't require nearly that manpower. Well, they do do things that are not nice. They do uh, shake people down, and if they don't cooperate years ago, they would catch a beating. I mean, you open up a business, and it's successful. The next thing you know, you got some guy coming in saying, hey, you got to buy insurance. The guy says, I have insurance. No, you need sky insurance so the sky don't fall on top of your head. Right. I mean, is that right? No, 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 no. Of course no, it's that's not right. Not right. Yeah. And this all comes down from the top. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Uno. He's your numero uno. So when they people say, so let me stop you for a second. So when people, when people say, because you hear this all the time, right? So they walk into a strange business that's not mob related and they strong arm them, like you just said. Uh, so when people say that the mob only hurts people in the mob and they're not hurting people who don't get involved with the mob, what you just said to me spits in the face of that. Correct. It happens. It, it used to happen day in and day out. With you have to understand, the, the top wants envelopes full of money. The bottom has to fill the envelopes. They got to go out and be earners, uh, and they earn any way they can. Loan sharking, gambling, shaking people down. Uh, they have to fill an envelope full of money. They give it to the capo, who gives it to the boss. It's kicked right up the line. They have to make money any way they can. Frank O'Hara joining me uh, here. So Gotti was uh, good at it, right? And you go back to uh, when he was the one, the mastermind behind the murder of Paul Castellano and Tommy Bellotti outside Spark Steakhouse. But I guess uh, the piece goes to tell you that Gotti, even though he thought he'd be better to lead the family, uh, he was very angry, of course, that he was not promoted. Very, very angry. But the piece goes to say, basically, that Gotti felt like if he didn't kill Castellano, Castellano was about to kill him. Is that right? Kill or be killed. So he did a hostile corporate takeover. And the key to the homicide, in my opinion, was Tommy Bellotti. Had he not killed Tommy Bellotti, Tommy would have come at him with both guns blazing. Tommy was a true tough guy. He was a street guy. And he would have taken on Gotti. And he would have been supported by the chin. And it probably cost me 100 hours in overtime. <laughs> Frank O'Hara joining us here. So in the piece, you know, you're part of that organized uh, task force. And then you have the FBI working it, too. But you guys, the task force, were the first to plant a bug in the Bergen Hunt and Fish Club in Ozone Park where Gotti hung out, you know. And um, they have audio, which is really hard to hear, even on the piece on Netflix, where Gotti basically admits that he killed Castellano and all that, and the guys were beating their chest. But, look, as far as I know, and you're closer to this than I was, Frank, all that audio meant nothing. You guys didn't get Gotti until Sammy the Bull turned on him. Is that not true? Yes, Sammy. If anybody can take sole possession of the conviction of John Gotti, it's Sammy Gravano. 
Sammy did John. And Sammy raised his hand. Nobody flipped him. Sammy flipped himself. Sammy sat there in his cell and said, what am I going to do, the rest of my life in jail, or am I going to join Team America? He chose to join Team America, but he did it on his own, and he had some selfish reasons. He didn't want to spend the rest of his life in jail. He had some money out that was legitimate that he could spend, and uh, he decided to have his wife contact the FBI, and the rest is history. Weren't you surprised that he went against, put the, the biggest crime boss in years in prison? Not only is he still alive, but he does reality television. He, like Henry Hill used to do, you know, he would be on the Howard Stern show and walk around, and he didn't care. So all these guys that turn on the mob and the biggest members of the mob, they seem to survive. Are you surprised? Not today. Uh, they're afraid of three things. They're afraid of rats, DNA, and cameras. Cameras are all over the place. Rats, case in point, Joe Messina, boss of the uh, Bonanno crime family. Uh, he turned. He testified. He testified against people that he told to go kill somebody. So imagine you're sitting there as a defendant, and a guy up on the witness stand who told you to go kill Joe Schmo is testifying against you. What's wrong with that picture? Mm. You know, I think the first time I saw you on the piece, you were sitting in an unmarked car, maybe even on the FDR drive. And for folks that don't know what the daily operations were like, when you guys, your organized task force, and the FBI were kind of button heads and getting John Gotti in the early days, but after he killed Castellano, what were your days like? What were you guys doing for the most part? Well, our hours mirrored John's. You know, John was a, pretty much a creature of habit. You know, he would leave his house around 1030 in the morning. Uh, he'd get picked up by somebody. He'd drive to his – he didn't go into the Bergen Hunt and Fish Club. He had actually a storefront right next door that he used as an office. He sometimes would stop at OTB and lose some money. Uh, then he would go to his office on 101st Avenue. Uh, he had a guy that would go get him coffee, orange juice, go to the dry cleaners. Uh, he had a barber's chair in the back room. The barber came every day, did his hair, and shaved him every day. Every day. He, every day. And then he would get dressed, and uh, around 1 o'clock he'd start moving around the city and usually end up at the uh, Ravenite on Mulberry Street. But he did do meetings uh, at his office, outside his office, uh, you know, a couple days a week. And one night a week, I believe it was Wednesday night, everybody would come see John, a lot of made guys. That was uh, the, the night, if you wanted to see John, you came to Ozone Park on 101st Avenue. They had they cooked in the Bergen Hunt and Fish. Everybody ate. And then he played cards till 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, the, the piece does show what a degenerate gambler he was. In fact, he even said a couple times on tape, a bad day is not getting whacked. A bad day is losing three parlays on the same Sunday afternoon. So that was clear. And then I guess I guess we're, we're early on, where he really started to lose Castellano before he became the boss, was that he had no issue with his guys dealing drugs, and Castellano wanted no part of that. Is that true? True. He, uh, Castellano kept asking, I want to hear the tapes from Angelo Ruggiero's living room. I want to hear the tapes. And on those tapes, you had his brother Gene and Angelo, his best friend, discussing drug dealing, and they were both convicted at trial. I'm sorry, Gene was convicted at trial. Angelo got sick. Uh, I think a reasonable person, if they listen to the tapes, would think his best friend, his brother are in the drug business, they're in his crew, he's their captain. Uh, 
when they get a, give him an envelope of money, I guess he doesn't ask any questions, but he knows what's going on. He's not stupid. He knew they were dealing drugs. Frank O'Hara here, former uh, NYPD, FBI, and a uh, good buddy of ours, and he was there. Get Gotti. you got to watch this on Netflix. You know, I have friends who um, still live in the Howard Beach area. You know, we're in Howard Beach quite a bit, actually. Danielle and I, we live right next door. In fact, we're going to Lenny's tonight. And, um, you know, he's kind of a mythical figure there still. You know, July 4th, he held the big fireworks display, and everybody would come out. And people loved John, except for the neighbor, of course, because he killed his kid. But uh, on a serious note, uh, some say that John did it to himself. He was too much in the camera's eye, all dressed up. He was looking for trouble. And others say, hold on a second. You think John Gotti was the first mobster to be like that? He was not the first. What's the real answer there? Well, some people think he fashioned himself after uh, uh, Frank Costello, right. who was a, a night nightlife guy in Manhattan with all the, the uh, nightclubs and everything. Uh, he, he could fit. But John looked for attention, too. Don't forget, John was one of 13 kids. I believe two died at birth. So he was one of 11. Uh, you know, he had different personalities. He could be ruthless. He could be charming. And he actually could be childlike, looking for attention. Uh he definitely had an ego, uh, definitely loved the attention. Uh, one quick story, one time somebody wrote about his uh, suits and ties, and they put, you know, in the New York Times about his $1,000 suits, and he went nuts. I don't own a $1,000 suit. The cheapest suit I have is $1,500. What are they talking about? <laughs> I love I it. mean, that really upset him. <laughs> yeah. No, he was crazy, and he was like that. He wanted everybody to know he had the best so let me ask you this. If he, was, if he was out there looking for attention, and it seemed like you guys arrested him just about every week, why did you guys have such a hard time before Gravano putting this guy away? Uh, well, the trial that where he was allegedly the mastermind shooting the Carpenter official, that tape, the bust him up tape, uh, yeah. that was a disjointed conversation. He was talking to Anthony Guerreri, and he was asking him about the carpenter official. And in entwined in that conversation, John was telling Guerreri what he did the night before in a hansom cab in Central Park. And it was explicit. And the defense attorney said that shouldn't be played for the jury. That's got to come out of that conversation. So in between bust him up, he's saying what he's doing in a hansom cab with a woman. So that part's taken out. It screws the tape up. It's called redaction because they don't want to prejudice the jury hearing what, you know, what he was doing with this woman. Got it. So there are some that believe when you finally got him, when Gavano turned on him, that was it. And he went to prison. There are some gaudy supporters that believe that the government killed him, that they actually injected him with all the cancer that eventually wiped him out pretty quickly once he went to prison. I think you've heard those rumors, yes? I'm sorry, what? That the government actually shot him up. They injected cancer into his body when Gotti was in prison. Have you heard those rumors? No, and some people just live for conspiracies that are whacked out. You know, right. what are yeah. you going to do? Well, I believe that's true. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, then you're part of the whacked out crowd. Sorry. Well, I'm going to admit to you, Frank, and you know I love you to pieces. So does Danielle. Did I had a love-hate relationship for Gotti? I did. I 
you know, I, I don't know what the mob is today. I don't even know if the mob exists. I know they exist. I'm not going to be stupid. The mob exists in a big way. There's still gambling. There's still extortion. There's still clubs and prostitution. They still strong on people. I know that. But the glory era is over. Once John left, it was over. Now these guys, like you said, they're scared. They try to hide. They they, they operate in basements uh, all over the city. But I do believe the mob is still relatively powerful, not like they used to be, because now you've got an Albanian mob, you've got a Russian mob, you've got a Jewish mob, you've got a Chinese mob here in New York. Is it fair to say what I'm saying? The Italian mob is still active. Still active, but not nearly as powerful as they were under John Gotti. Yes, absolutely. They they lost a lot of money over the years, a lot of money over the years. They used to control all the numbers rackets in the city of New York. There is no more numbers rackets. The state went into that business. They've lost the jukebox money, the cigarette machine money. Uh, they had money coming in from many different areas that no longer exist. I mean, God, even things like FanDuel. And um, I forget the name of the other big one, but um, the the websites, the gambling websites that are now legal in about 30 states. That kills the mob, no? Well, not really, because a lot of the gamblers don't want people to know their business, so they don't want to bet with FanDuel or somebody like that because they're keeping records. Right. Uh, I bet with a bookmaker. I straighten out with him once a week on Tuesday. He gives me credit for a week, and he pays me on Tuesday in cash, and there's no 1099. So when you look back at your career, Frank, and you have a great career, Frank O'Hara here, were the Gotti days uh, the best uh, The best moments in your career? Was there another case that uh, you want to tell the listening audience about that uh, kind of got you going like Gotti did? Well, I, I worked on a lot of interesting cases. I was lucky. Uh, as someone once said, not me, I had a free front row seat to the greatest show on earth in the mm-hmm. city of New York. I mean, yeah. You know, it was, uh, you know, one day you're riding on a Popemobile, the next day you're chasing John Gotti. I mean, it was unbelievable. Wow, that's right. Well, uh, in the end, you guys uh, got him, and you really are great in that piece. I thought the piece was really good. I mean, again, we knew a lot of the information uh, in the piece before, but I do think Netflix did a very good job of putting it together. What did you think? Yes, it's actually a production company called Raw TV out of London, England. And they uh, they really do nice work. I mean, they did that Fear City, New York versus the Mafia two years ago, and that was really a nice piece. Yeah, they're right. That was a good piece, too. Well, listen, congratulations on uh, on your career and, and all the great work that you did, and you're really, really good in this piece. And thank you for coming on this morning, and we'll see, uh, we'll see you very, very soon, Frank O'Hara. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sid. You the man, Frank O'Hara right there. And, again, you got to check that piece out. Get Gotti on Netflix. And it is a part of New York history. He was a bad guy, let's be honest, you know. All this this love affair with John Gotti is silly. No, he was a mess. He was a bad guy.